Welcome to the Property Insights Podcast, a podcast dedicated to helping you find your first home, your next home, or investment property. Join the conversation with Howie and Callum. Welcome to episode five of Property Insights Podcast. Is it the Property Insights Podcast or just Property Insights Podcast? I think it's just Property Insights Podcast. Okay. We'll go with that. <laughs> Welcome to episode five of we can change Property it. Insights Podcast. <laughs> whatever, whatever you guys would like, I suppose. Exactly. Yeah. You yeah. tell us. What are you? Um, what are we talking about today, mate? Uh, whether to buy or sell first. It's okay. a pr- pretty common question we get uh, from from I buyers. Actually had that question yesterday from a buyer. Yeah. Yeah. And and we hear we hear it a lot. And I suppose I suppose twenty twenty one and and the the market that we've had um, has been has been not a real market for the last couple of years. We've seen some of the craziest changes in in property um, ever in the last couple of years. So it's it, more than ever now, people are like, I'm confused. What do we do? You know, do we make sure we lock in a house now um, and then put a house on the market? Or do we just put it on the market and pray that what we like comes up? It's going to be different for everyone. And your individual circumstance is never going to be the same as everyone else. I actually gave advice on Tuesday to someone that, they actually can buy first. And that has gone absolutely against everything I've been saying for the last six months. So what did you months. why did you give that advice? I gave that particular advice because that person was buying into a retirement village. So you can imagine moving in a downsize of that sort of magnitude where they only got to put down about a thousand dollars to secure that property and they can sort of walk away from a thousand bucks. So they had secured something, there was something lined up. Well, they were considering it, okay. considering, and and it w- was going to cost them a thousand dollars to put down a deposit on this uh, aged care yeah. home, and, and we said, well, for a thousand dollars, you may as well lock it in, um, go on the market. If you don't sell, or you don't get what you want. Well, you've lost an extra thousand dollars. I mean, it's not spare change, but um, to know that you've got something going to, for a thousand bucks, it's probably worth it. For the average person um, who's say selling their it's, it's worse if they're going up, for example, they're trying to upgrade. They're going from a townhome to a house. They're hoping to sell their townhome for somewhere around 1.5 and hoping to buy for $2 million. Um, our advice for me, if someone who's going to go buy a $2 million home, they're going to have to put down a $200,000 deposit and potentially lose $200,000 if their home doesn't get what they were anticipating. That's a big, big difference. Uh, so my general advice to every single person in the marketplace these days um, is to sell first. Categorically, put your house on the market, sell first. What about you, Howie? Well, I think it depends on what sort of market you're in. So when we were in an inclining market um, and property was selling like hotcakes, like, you know, probably you put them on the market, you bring forward the auction because, you know, there was so much demand. It's a different kettle of fish where nowadays the buyers are being a little bit more cautious and holding back a little bit so it's probably more of a what we call a normal market where we've come out of an extraordinary market we've come into a normal market but let's just take the example of the last 10 interest rate rises where property prices were falling if you are upgrading and you've got a million dollar property the price of that million dollar property might have taken a bit of a haircut to the tune of let's say 10 i mean it's in the northern beaches it's up to 20 potentially a little bit more but let's just use 10 percent as an example so if you've got a million dollar apartment you're taking a 10 percent haircut on that million dollars so it's no longer worth a million it's now worth 900 but you're going to buy, purchase a property a new a house at two million dollars which is the example we were using earlier 
that same 10% discount applies. So now you're getting a, a discount of $200,000 off that property. So you're up, you know, if you sell and buy, you're up by $100,000. So if you're upgrading, if you're upgrading, that's right. So that can work the complete opposite way. If you're downgrading, for example, where you know, um, you're going the other way, you're going to lose by $100,000. So it all depends on the market that you're in. Um, but also your circumstances is exactly like you said. Like not everyone is selling to buy. Some people are selling to rent, for example. So, you know, in that particular instance, if you're selling that property in that market, you want to get the best price you can get because you're no longer then having to purchase something else. If you're selling, you might have a bit of extra time, for example, where your motivation isn't super high. You'd like to sell it if you can get a good price for it, but there's no urgency to that. So if you've got a little bit of time on your side, you might be able to wait to see what happens with the market. But again, the market could rise or fall, and the longer you wait, then you're going to be in a different market to where you were. And that's a, it's a key point. We don't know when the top or the bottom of the market is until you're going the other way. Exactly. So I remember sitting down with people in November of 2021 and showing them the graph and going, we don't know when the top is. And for our area, November 2021 was the top. We didn't know until basically February. Mm. Um, it wasn't until about three months later that we're like, we're, we're actually really going down now. Um, we don't know when the bottom is. And we're not going to know until we're going back up. Um, but one of the one of the, the common sort of uh, issues when people are thinking about selling first, because I say, I, I think you should sell first because it's a lot safer. You're going to know firstly, if you sell first, you're going to know firstly exactly how much money you have to spend when you go and buy. Um, you're going to know um, you know exactly what your, um, you know, what your buyer's reservations were on your property. Before you go to market, you don't know. You might think that that, that shared driveway is not really a big issue for you because you've lived on it for, for 15 years. But for a certain section of the marketplace, they're just going to cut your property off completely because they don't want that. Um, and, you know, I lived on a shared drive. I have no issue with it. So you're hoping for a buyer like me in the marketplace. You don't know how many buyers who are wanting your specific, um, you know, property are actually out there right now. And if there's 10 out there at the same time, well, that's amazing. But if there's only two, um, you would hope they're both on your property. But one of the, the key questions um, or issues that, that sort of arises when people are looking to to sell first before buying is they say, there's nothing on the market that I can buy. They go, what, well, what I want to buy, I can't find. So why would I sell now when I can't find what I want to buy? And that's a really good thing if you're selling, in my opinion. If you're selling and there's not much on the market, that's a really, really great market because when there's no stock or low stock, you're going to have more competition on your property. When If you wait until the traditional spring selling market to go to market, oh, there's heaps on the market now. I can put mine on the market and I can go find something I like. Unfortunately, you could, you, your property is not competing in isolation. It's competing against all the other properties out there. And you'd rather have two competing properties with 10 buyers than 20 competing properties with the same 10 buyers. Yep. So... There's a couple of options you can do when you are selling first. That's look for longer settlements. Um, there's things like rent backs. So longer settlements or settlement period is between exchange and when you actually move out of the property. You can extend that 90 days, six months. Yeah, I've got a property on the moment that's got a six-month settlement. Yep. Mm. Um, the standard's 42 days, which is six weeks, but you can try and extend that. Um or a rent back, look for, you know, if the new purchaser is happy to, to settle earlier, but but rent it back to you. Um, and then you can stay there a little longer. 
Um, you know, can you live with family and friends? Can you rent for a little bit? Um, some of those longer settlements, you want to put callback clauses in there so you can try and marry your settlement up on, on your purchase side. So when we say sell first, when I say sell first, I'm meaning sell first but buy in the same market. Mm. Um, you know, you're selling, you're then out looking. And what's a pitfall, uh, Howie, of actually looking at a property before you've sold? Is there any issues that, that could arise? Can you think of anything? Just looking, just searching? Just searching? No, not at all. I think it's the best thing to do is that the minute you decide that you want to sell your place, get looking. Get on there, find a buyer's agent, get on domain real estate, look every day as much as you can. Um, but no, there's absolutely no pitfall and the best thing about it is you're educating yourself about the market and and what's available at the money that you feel like you might have to spend and that's the other thing too is I always encourage people just to do the numbers on your place um, as conservatively as possible and just work on the lowest numbers because you know that that those agents there are agents out there that might give you a bit of what they call blue sky to try and win your business. Now, it's all exciting when someone, an agent comes to the door and says, yes, your house is worth $3 million. Oh, 10 buyers for this, yeah. I love it. But when it's not, right, and they, they, they might be in a market where they're desperate for listings and they're trying to win that business to get you excited about the market. But the reality is your property is only worth 2.2. So if that's the case, you really have to be thinking, well, you know, when I go to upgrade and I buy the next place, if I only walked away with 2.2, what could I buy? What's my changeover costs? Add the stamp duty in, add the legal costs in, add the agent fees in, everything else, add it all together and then just do work on the lowest numbers because that's the best way to buy. And if you, if you come out on top and you actually sell it for 2.7, then that's a huge bonus and you've got a little bit extra to renovate with or play with, but you're not risking you know, the future of your family home, exactly like you said. And it goes both ways when you look at an appraisal price versus what you actually sell for. So imagine, you know, let's just use two million for an example. You think your home's worth two million. Now we're not selling the home to you. You're trying to find someone else in the marketplace to buy that house. Um, it might be worth two to you, but it might only be worth one point eight to the marketplace. What happens if you go and buy based on a two million dollar valuation and it's only worth one point eight? But the reverse, what happens if you go and buy on a two million dollar valuation, it goes really well and it sells for two two? Would you have bought something better? Could you have actually gone that extra step to that property that you really, really did like, but you didn't chase because you hadn't sold yet and you didn't know if you'd be able to afford it? And so it works both ways, whether you actually win or whether you lose on your sale. Um, it works both ways when, you, when you're buying. You're going to know exactly how much you have to spend and you're avoiding all risk of not completing on your property. So that's, that's probably a big one. So yep. what, what happens, Howie, if, if you can't sell your house for what you need to complete on the next purchase? So you've already bought the house. Um, you have been told that your house is worth 2.5 and you've worked on those numbers at 2.5, um, but you're having trouble finding people that are interested at that level. Is that the question? Yep. Yeah. Yep. So you've bought a property for three. Yep. You've, you've you've been told two and a half. You you're looking at out to the marketplace now, and the marketplace is telling you it's somewhere between two and two two. So you've already exchanged, which means you've likely put down a five or ten percent deposit. But even if you put down a five percent deposit, you're liable for the ten percent deposit. So on that three million dollars, you've already put down effectively three hundred thousand dollars. You're now selling your property. You're expecting it to go for 2.5. The market's saying it's 2 to 2.2. Now, it depends on what, you know, you, they might be not genuine offers. They might just be feedback from buyers. 
the property might actually fetch 2.5 at auction. You don't know until you get there. Um, you might get to auction there. There may be no bidders whatsoever. You might have no on register, which puts you in a fairly awkward position. If you've got a short settlement or a standard settlement of six weeks, you're, you've purchased your property, you got on the market, you've got a ticking time bomb in terms of your, your timing. So the, ultimately, you really don't have too much, a lot of choice. Your choices are that you forgo your $300,000 10% deposit or you lower the price of your property and you take what the market is willing to to give you at that point. One other thing to note is when you do forego that $300,000 deposit, if the property resells in the market for lower than what you offered, then lower than the 3 million, you can actually be liable for that difference. So say that property that you had exchanged at $3 million for now sells for 2.7. It goes back to market and sells for 2.7. You lose your $300,000 deposit plus the owner can sue you they would have to sue you to do this. Um, they can sue you for another three hundred. So you could be potentially liable for six hundred thousand dollars. In that instance, you'd be far better off selling your home for even two million um, than going through the whole legal battle uh, of of potentially six hundred plus thousand dollars. You 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 will have to pay. Um, and then you retain the asset that you were looking to sell anyway. You're looking to move on. Um, so that's why we always say, well, I always say, sell first. Um, Get a number of appraisals, but please work on the lowest one. Uh, you might think that, that oh, I can do the average of, of them all. Uh, there are going to be agents that are, have less listings that are more desperate in the area. Um, they'll tell you more money because they, you know, as an owner, you go, oh, I love this agent. He believes in my property. Um, work on the lowest figure. Be as conservative as you can if you're actually thinking of buying first. Um, but my advice Get your property on the market first, get an exchange contract, and then go shopping. And if, you, if you're really concerned about it and you really don't have um, any idea in terms of price, go off market for a couple of weeks. Get some feedback from buyers. Yep. Yeah, good- just, just get in there, find out what they're saying. And that's the thing we really do, especially in off market. You know, it's really important to us as agents to work out, you know, what the market where it's, where it feels it sits because those buyers are out there looking at other properties in the area they're comparing your property to theirs and they're going to give you some feedback and especially the ones that don't necessarily want to buy it they're going to probably give you the most honest feedback it's not for me but i think it's worth 2.5 okay yep. great why do you think that well because i went and had a look at 123 smith street last week uh it's got a pool but you know it doesn't have a very good outlook it's not as good as yours it's not as nicely renovated so i feel like and that was you know that was guiding it Two four. Two four. So yep. I feel like it's probably sitting in that two five space. And that's really important feedback for you and for the agent. So if you have any questions or if you've come unstuck before, we'd love to hear. Property Insights Podcast at gmail.com. Thanks again email. for listening. We really do appreciate you uh, downloading the podcast and we'll try and keep uh, the information coming. And again, yeah, please get in touch with us because we'd love to be able to help. Thanks, guys.